Hello everybody and welcome back to the Bundesliga show, brought to you by Over the Bar. Back for another match week review, match week 10 of the Bundesliga on a very wet weekend. Uh, well, it certainly has been here in Sheffield. Uh, but I'm joined this evening uh, by Mark and Peter. Evening both, how are we doing tonight? Not bad at all, my end, thanks. Good stuff, good well. stuff. Great to see you. Excellent. Any, uh, any firework displays that we visited this weekend, chaps? Oh, not in the Bundes Republic, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I had a very wet weekend in Sheffield trying to watch the, the fireworks, but uh well, there was fireworks aplenty in the Bundesliga at least. So we've got that to uh to enjoy and reflect on. Uh obviously the, the big stories that we'll uh review uh in our featured four games, uh lots of talking points and uh well stuff to get into uh very shortly before we do uh please do remember to like comment and subscribe uh yeah give us a thumbs up on tonight's show if you possibly can do that would be very much appreciated uh comment along you know uh there's been some big results out this weekend so be interested here from Bayern fans Dortmund fans you know everyone alike Leverkusen fans how are you feeling still managing to keep that winning streak going and everyone else in between, please do fire in your questions if you do have any or just comments. And of course, subscribe uh, to the channel. Uh, so, yeah, that's our little little bit of admin out of the way so we can enjoy and crack on with the rest of the show. Uh, so we'll start off again uh, like we did uh, last week with Peter's Kiosk Club. So we shall uh, uh, hand over gladly to yourself, Peter. Uh, to present your findings from the weekend's headlines. Uh, yes, thank you, Rory. I appreciate that deeply. Uh, once again, uh, joining you from what Mark refers to as the land of the free. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Women's Republic is, is also. So we're uh, doing our kiosk club via printout uh, for the second consecutive week. Um, but obviously the big news, of course, uh, much to the chagrin of German football lovers and perhaps even casual uh, fans of the Bundesliga, is that we have a case of uh, Dortmund déjà vu, and uh, schon wieder alles wie immer. Everything is just as it was before. This is uh, a result that um, Dortmund have lost nine and drawn one uh, against Bayern München, their direct title rivals uh, since 2018, the last time that they won there. And this was not necessarily the result that many were hoping for. The Sportbild, which I just held up, also... Uh, made sure to let you know that uh, Dortmund is halt nicht Saarbrücken, uh, noting that uh, it doesn't matter if Saarbrücken went ahead and took Bayern out in the Pokal, uh, Dortmund are still doing Dortmund things. Uh, we will get to that match and we'll also get uh, to Leverkusen, who uh, the Sportbild uh, congratulates on being Meisterlich. Uh, they are very much fit for the title and I'm sure that we'll have a lot more to say about that in a few moments. The kicker has more or less conceded the title race. Uh, the uh, kicker is leading with Der große Unterschied, or the big difference between the German record champions, uh, the 11-time defending champions, and uh, Dortmund, which uh, I believe are simply, well, uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot in the kicker uh, that states you know, that the, the difference in quality between these two teams. Uh, both in terms of on-pitch personnel and also administratively. I think it's fairly dour, considering we're only at match day 10 of the season. Uh, but when Ger uh, Germany's preeminent footballing publication, 
uh, is ready to concede defeat, uh, we may have some issues on our hands. So there's our kiosk club, and I will hand it off to uh, Mark and Rory to let us know which matches we'll be discussing first. Very neatly done, Peter, and very well done not to dive too much into our headlines, which would have been very easy to do off the back of those uh, those uh, yeah headlines in in the tabloid. So yeah, we'll crack on then, and obviously starting in fourth place, uh, we will be reviewing what was fantastic and first win uh, for Mines over RB Leipzig at the weekend. Uh, obviously, following the news uh, that Bill Svensson um, departed the club. Um, and yeah, it might not have been the most uh, engrossing from a, a chances point of view, chaps, but I think we, we wanted to get this game in there um, and, you know, talk a little bit about yeah, the, their first win of the season um, and reflect maybe a little bit on, uh, well, Leipzig's, um, well, ability to sometimes lose these games out of nowhere, it seems. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll throw this over to you in, in a second, Mark, but Naturally, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, relief from a mind's point of view. Uh, lots of, you know, please Bundesliga traditionalists with this with this sort of result. I also find it really frustrating, a result as well, seeing that how minds had this ability within them anyway. And it takes a great head coach to remove himself from a situation to allow it to happen. Um and that, I think it all just goes back to this player power rubbish, which I'm completely fed up with being a Man United fan. Um, but uh, just seeing it, you know, it comes to that for of, you know, them digging in throughout the match, making it a fairly dull-ish first half, you know, preventing RB from having too many clear-cut chances. Um, and, you know, just the rear guard action, it's come from them having the motivation again because they have to impress someone else uh so i I know i'm kind of starting on a bit of a slowish point and it maybe uh it's a little bit underwhelming for people who are tuning in wanting to celebrate minds and there are lots of good points to this game and performances to be celebrated but just wanted to say my piece on that because i find it quite frustrating in that element but what are your thoughts mark on their performance in the main and and whether you agree with me or not you can shoot me down if you want yeah, I think the first thing I want to say is obviously the, the fans of mine like turned out in the Bose Fence and T-shirts, Bose Fence and banners. You know, they, they wanted to make it clear in the before the game, basically, that they were very, very happy that what the, the Dane did at the club. You know, he leaves on no bad uh, kind of uh, mark at all. Like the fans loved him. You know, he loved the club. Obviously, he was a player as well. Uh, so I think that was a nice touch as well. I think, yeah, on the Mainz performance, obviously the first point is it was much, much improved. Nobody can deny that. It was a, it was by far their best performance of the season. You know, they, they worked a lot harder. They defended harder. You know, whether it was a case of, um, I mean, Svensson just reached the end of his time. You know, he had been there almost three years. And clubs like Mainz, they don't usually have dynasties of like 10 years with a manager. I know they did have Klopp for, I think, five or six years. Tuchel, I think, did two or three as well, obviously, in successful periods. But I think one thing you've got to remember is that clubs like Mainz, they don't usually keep managers for a dynasty. So it could have been a case that it was just like, you know, it had gone stale. 
and both sides decided to part ways, basically, you know. My feeling about what happened at Mainz is that I don't get the feeling that, like, the club really hated him. The fans definitely didn't hate him. Even the players, I don't think they hated him. It was a case of he just couldn't get the, a tune out of this roster anymore. It was as simple as that, really, you know. And I think, for me, it could even have still been a bit premature, actually, the firing. I'm going to be honest. because I really do think he's a great coach, you know. And I think, ultimately, this squad is his building. You know, and I think um, there were obviously a few players, particularly at Jork. I've got to be honest, that Jork was uh, extremely poor this season. And I, I do question whether his attitude was particularly good at times this year, especially after missing those two penalties on the first day of the season. But yeah, as for the performance, I just want to mention a few things about, uh, first of all, the form formation. Obviously, a Jork was dropped as well, which is something of a surprise because, you know, he is their talisman, really. And Honest Seawall came in. I mean, what an assist that was for the first goal, by the way, from Lee. I mean, that was a brilliant Mainz goal, actually, that ultimately won it for them. I mean, you know, brilliant ball from Honest Seawall, you know, kind of cult hero in the Bundesliga. Put in absolutely superb, wrapped his foot around it and put it right on the head of the mini magician Lee, who was like running in and he looked like he was going to start crying when that goal went in the back of the net. To be honest, I think, <clears throat> geez, yeah, there was so much relief among uh, Mind's fans that it was just, it was superb to see it. But yeah, for me, I think uh, Leipzig obviously didn't turn up for the game, really, in truth. I think apart from Javi Simmons, he was the only one that can really hold his head high. In this performance, he was good. He tested Zender a few times, but in general, you know, I think it was a great Mainz performance. There was a moment when I think they could have had a penalty as well, potentially uh, Leipzig. I think it was for a foul on was it um, Simmons actually, and I think that could have been a foul just before the the one nil goal actually. But yeah, credit to Mainz to deserve the win. You know, it is sad to see Svensson leave. I am disappointed, but congratulations to Sievert. He got as many wins already with Mainz than he did in, I think, half a year with Huddersfield Town. So, <laughs> <laughs> credit to him for that. And, you know, I hope Mainz continue to improve. As you can see, I'll just put it on the table as well. See, the things are looking a bit better for Mainz as well. They're off the bottom of the table. The level on points with Union Berlin, incredibly. Two teams that you just can't believe are in the bottom three at this stage of the season. But, you know, things are looking up for Mainz. They go to Darmstadt next week, which is another game. They'll be looking to back that one up with a second win. And, you know, yeah, I, I do hope Mainz manage to improve and, you know, stay in the Bundesliga this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, over to yourself, Peter. Um, just maybe thoughts on the game, thought, thoughts on RB. Bit of, you know, a, a real shock. And a lot of people, you know, would have been wary of the the new coach bounce and, and, and things like that. But there was still a degree, a great degree of confidence that RB would do, you know, do the business and, and get another win. It's obviously their first loss since the opening day um, defeat against Leverkusen. So it did come out of the blue, didn't it? We, we weren't expecting this, were we? Um, yeah. And I, um, I really do concur wholeheartedly with what you said at the beginning uh, of your presentation about this match. Um, it is inherently frustrating uh, that both Svensson had to be the sacrificial lamb. Um, Svensson is very much a cult trainer uh, within the Bundesrepublik. Uh, he he did resign. It was actually uh, it was it was Svensson's idea to resign uh, because the team was was not performing up to. He just thought he wasn't doing a good job anymore. And there was a tearful uh, farewell message conducted in German, in which 
As Mark mentioned, he was a player in Mainz. His children have been uh, uh, raised in Mainz. And I should point out, uh, my new Bully News colleague, uh, Moritz Bayer, is, is here. Uh, he's a Köln supporter. Svensson was every bit the cult trainer that Stefan Baumgart is. Um, the last time I went to go see Mainz live was uh, a couple of years ago. As, as a matter of fact, Mark, they were they were hosting Augsburg uh, in the fall of uh, 2021. And um, just like everybody in the cathedral city is sporting the flat cap, you know, as a tribute to Baumgart, everybody in Mainz or a lot of people in Mainz are rocking what they call Svensson beards. You know, they have, they have tuned their facial hair, uh, you know, specifically to... Um, uh, uh, to pay tribute uh, to the coach who we thought was was destined for great things. Um, you know, when we were talking about Mainz earlier in the season, uh, there were injury issues, so many injury issues, so many players playing out of position on that back line uh, and also at the wing-back positions. Uh, the, I mean, the biggest one, of course, is Sylvain Vidma, who hasn't made a league appearance yet, um, the, uh, <clears throat> the Swiss captain there. So um, there was that, and there was poor squad balance. Um, you know, they, they really never um, uh, uh, had a replacement uh, for, the, uh, for the Spaniard there, the departed Spaniard. Uh, somebody help me with his name. It's Aaron Aaron Martin. Martin. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that was a huge problem. So as Rory aptly pointed out, uh, Mainz always had the talent, uh, and they had the discipline, and they had the will to get out of this. And, uh, you know, for Svensson to, to have to be sacrificed for this, it's, 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 it's just sad. Um, it's, it's incredibly sad. You know? uh, he had injuries at the striker position, too, you know, in addition to the fact that we don't know if Johnny Burkhardt is ever going to play again. Uh, Nelson mm -hmm. Piper got hurt. Ranschen Gruda got hurt. The two young uh, uh, German U21 uh, internationals. So it's just a perfect storm of, of bad luck. And... Um, Actually, I mean, if you want me to talk a little bit about Leipzig, um, I think that Xavi Simmons actually played a really uh, great game, and uh, and Zentner actually had to make a, a huge save uh, mm -hmm. on Simmons. Um, the midfield uh, a double six access of Zaba uh, Schlager and Kevin Kampel, I think they absolutely worked their socks off, and were understandably uh, disappointed afterwards that the result went the the way that it did. Um, it, but as Mark mentioned, it was a deserved win in the way that Onisiwo set up that first goal. I mean, all on his own, uh, of, you know, tearing down that right flank and then supplying just a gorgeous cross, absolutely sumptuous cross that was. So, I mean, it, it was a deserved win, uh, and it's a win that makes German football purists uh, very happy. And um, I, I can't, I mean, Svensson's going to coach another Bundesliga team. Uh, he, he's, he, uh, that's going to happen. It's probably going to happen before the season is out. Um, his coaching career will continue in the Bundesrepublik and, uh, a team would be very, very, very lucky to have him, uh, I would say. Yeah. Agreed. Some nice, nice comments there, Peter, as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was a shame to see him go, but we, we hope to have Bo back very soon. Um, yeah, just to keep Leipzig to, to an XG of point. Uh, 0.52 all game, two efforts on target was, you know, really impressive. And, you know, Leipzig might be saying with the 64% possession and making over 600 passes, how did they not create more clear cut chances um, is maybe a mystery. But Mines, of course, did front up and, you know, play really, uh, really well. Um, Mines have now scored seven goals in the last four. 
versus four goals in their first six. So they're also starting to find uh, their way to goal a little bit more regularly as well. So well done uh, to them. Um, so, yeah, we we shall move on um, to our next game. Just a few comments in the chat as well. Pick up on um, Ballon, of course, uh, watching this evening, alluding to the the Pokal draw, which has seen uh, Nuremberg and Kaiserslautern um, be, be drawn against each other in, in the big face-off, the Peter versus Mark face-off. Um, that, wow. Okay. Well, we don't have a choice but to attend that one, do we? Uh, yeah. That's a too, I think. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Uh, interesting draw in general. Um, Stuttgart being drawn at home against Dortmund. Uh, that, that will be a tough, tough one for my boys. But uh, providing we don't play like we did on Sunday, we might have a good chance uh, in that one. So, yeah, we, we look forward to the next round of the Pokal, of course. Um, and yeah, good evening to Moritz as well. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we uh, well, we wish Cone well uh, for the rest of this season. Um, do we think that they can get themselves out of the bottom three before the winter break? Uh, well, as you say, they've been improved, uh, but they'll they'll obviously need to get a couple more couple more wins. Um, you probably wouldn't have been pleased, Moritz, to see the Heidenheim result. Uh, from the weekend, nor seeing first wins for Mines and Balkum. So probably not a great weekend, despite it being a good draw against Augsburg overall. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to pick up on that. And, and thank you for, for the comment and for tuning in this evening as well. Um, but anyway, we, we digress and we shall move on to our third game um, of the weekend. And we're going to talk the Classiker chaps. Um and again, before I start being the bringer of doom and being really negative all over again, um, this is a hard game to review just from a you know a Bundesliga purist point of view. Um, because, yeah, as Peter said in, in his kiosk club, it's not the results that a lot of people wanted to see, nor the performance that a lot of people wanted to see in black and yellow. Um, and... It was a, a red a red day for for Bayern and for Harry Kane. He, he continues to score at will. Um, and well, Mark, straight away, you know, we're we're talking about deja vu in you know in the headlines as well in you know uh, in in Germany, and it's just the same <clears> for <throat> us. Whilst we've been doing this show from from a De Classica point of view, Dortmund just. They haven't haven't got it in them right now to be matching by in in a face to face head on contest. Um, what did you make of just yeah Dortmund's performance? Because I mean, if it weren't for Gregor Kobel as per usual, it, you know it could have been a lot worse as well. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? To be honest, my my overall kind of feeling for this one was disappointment, actually, in truth, because uh, you know I think myself and Peter had talked over it. I think Peter had tipped a draw. I tipped a Dortmund win, whoops. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, we, we all tipped it to be a high-scoring game, but not all the goals being for Bayern, obviously. I think all of us thought it'd be a close game. You know, normally Dortmund do get a little bit closer than this, in truth, but yeah. obviously not in this instance. And there's definitely an element to being man-beaten against uh, uh, Bayern Munich, to be honest, for Dortmund. I mean, Dortmund was so poor in this game defensively, really. I, I just have no words to say, in truth. I just think, you know, the first goal straight from the corner, I mean, the corner goes all the way through straight onto the 
huge head of uh, Diot Apamecano who couldn't miss, basically. But, I mean, it's a great corner in. Let, let's not forget that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, conceding goals from corners in this kind of fixture after three minutes, it's, it's not ideal, let's be honest. It's not ideal at all. You know, but the second goal, I mean, that was a moment of magic. That was a beautiful goal from Bayern Munich, who, by the way, you know, we don't always give them the credit they deserve on this show, but they were brilliant in the game. Let's let's not forget that. I mean, Sané and Kane were just absolutely ridiculous. Sané, for me, that was his best performance in a Bayern shirt. I'd go that far. I think he was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, he's having an amazing season, by the way. I think he's on eight goals and six assists now. Like he's doing pretty much as well in terms of goal contributions as Kane, just a few behind him. And he was absolutely brilliant. You know, that, that second goal. Kane is just a goal machine, truly. I mean, to be honest, I've not watched that much Premier League the last two or three years since COVID, as we've focused mostly on the Bundesliga. But, I mean, Kane is just, he's absolutely ridiculous nowadays, really. He really is. He's, he's probably the best striker in the world for me. I would even have him ahead of Haaland, in truth. I just think he's absolutely unbelievable at the moment. Just, just the build-up play that he provides, you know, and him and Sané have made a really, really nice partnership there in the Bayern attack. And another man I want to give credit to is Limer. I think he obviously kind of covered the um, Kimmich position. He was suspended for this game. He was fantastic as well, playing this more familiar role in central midfield. But, yeah, I mean, for Dortmund, you, you've got to say, I mean... I've criticised Hummels a few times on this show, actually, but this performance was just not good enough, in truth. I mean, for me, nowadays, he's past his best, and I think German fans, they only really like him because of what he's done in the past. That's the feeling I get a lot with uh, with Hummels. You know, he's a World Cup winner. He's, you know, he's done so much. He doubled uh, Bundesliga champion with Dortmund, won a few titles with Bayern as well. You know, the, the guy's had a great career, but... For me, he's just not at the level. Maybe Peter disagrees with me on this, but I think I mentioned it to you, Peter, when we watched Dortmund at Hoffenheim as well. I think I said I'm just not a massive fan of him. And I think about two or three minutes later, he gave a penalty away. <laughs> and basically, I, I just wasn't impressed with his performance. The, the Hummel-Schlotterbeck partnership just didn't work in this game at all. And, it, it, you know, it, it just wasn't a good performance. I think Chan, who, by the way, has been good in recent weeks, he he didn't really fill that gap in there. I think they probably should have started Nemecha in this game, in truth. Um, yeah, congratulations, Bayern. They were brilliant, really. As I say, especially those three names that I mentioned, I feel as though they were absolutely outstanding. Neuer as well, you know, let's not forget that, guys. You know, Neuer's back in that net. It's no coincidence that Bayern Munich have kept two clean sheets in the last two mm-hmm. games. He only had to make two saves, but one of them was top draw from Royce at 2-1. And, you know, this is what wins games and wins titles, ultimately. But for Dortmund, it was a horrible, horrible day in the the, uh, the office. You know, their fans were leaving with about 20 minutes to go as well. I've never seen that at Dortmund before. That was shocking a little bit, but... It just wasn't good enough, ultimately, from Dortmund. I'm sorry, but I just didn't think the performance was good enough from the home side. So, building on that, then, I'll throw this your way, Peter. Two things. Um, First and foremost, is it now panic stations for Dortmund? But based on the fact that if we look at it in real terms, this was Dortmund's first defeat in 18 top-flight matches. Their Mm -hmm. previous loss was against Bayern in April, a 4-2 loss in the Allianz. So is it time to panic? And then secondly, um, you know, 
secondly, my second point is just falling out of my head. So if you go about the first one, I'll think of my second one and ask you it in a second. Okay. Well, thank you for bailing me out earlier with Aaron Martin. I can't believe I forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate the assistance there. <clears throat> um, with respect to uh, to whether Dortmund are, are gone and dead and buried, um, I mean, I still think that they have a quality team. Uh, what factors into that is, of course, that we have Leverkusen, who are probably the more the closer title aspirants this year. And I'm not giving up on Stuttgart just yet. You'll be pleased to <laughs> know. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, this was their first defeat of the season, and it was their first defeat uh, uh, in 18 games. Um, I think, you know, with Homo's, uh, he did enter a form surge around about, around, around about match day 29 of last season and then continued that on through the early phases of this season. He was really quite good. That's why he was recalled to the German national team. Um, but he is simply at that age where, I mean, he, he is slowing down significantly and he can have uh, nightmare matches like this. I mean, Schlotterbeck blew the marking on the initial corner uh, with Upe Meccano. And Homos was just simply too slow to stop uh, uh, that Bayern counter uh, on the second goal, what you could argue was the decisive goal. Uh, in, in defense of Dortmund, I mean, look, the Bayern counter this year is insanely good. And mm -hmm. um, this was, you know, you didn't expect, um, Mark mentioned Leimer, how he st he's, uh, stood up in, in, uh, in Kimmich's absence. Um, I think, you know, I, I reviewed the tape and I was looking at it. It looked kind of like a 4-1-4-1 with Goretzka basically, uh, uh, you know, on like the second attacking access. So you had Goretzka, Sané, Musiala, Coman, um, all pressing forward. And indeed on that second goal, Sané initiates it with a really clever back heel. And Goretzka charges forward. And eventually we uh, we get the ball in the back of the net. Goretzka uh, narrowly missed on that bicycle kick too a little yeah. bit later. That would have been absolutely spectacular. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean it was it was a nightmare day in defense for uh, for Dortmund. That's that's uh, indisputable. Uh, Kobe, uh, who was the uh, the giver of the egg in the Easter basket last time they lost to Bayern in the spring, uh, have bailed them out a, a little bit there. But Manuel Neuer also made some good saves. I mean, there were some pinpricks. There were some offensive chances for Dortmund after the 2-0 uh, uh, involving Brandt. And, and Neuer made a really good save on Royce uh, on the turn mm -hmm. from, from close range uh, in, in the box. So I wouldn't be uh, pressing the, the Dortmund panic button uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It is a problem that you have... Um, you know, that you have this defensive core that is either making, you know, I mean, it's just, it's totally unpredictable. You don't know which Mets uh, Homos is going to show up. And something else that Mark and I were talking about when we were attending the match in Hoffenheim was that Homos also, he, he makes these fantastic recovery tackles, but he puts himself in that position in the first place <laughs> by, by messing up. So, I mean, he just, he like bails himself out spectacular and is, and, and is, a, is just amazing at, at covering his own tracks and his own mistakes so many times, but that doesn't excuse the fact that he, that he's, that he makes these mistakes in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember your second question now? Or I do, yeah. It's probably not a, a, a greatest one ever, but uh, you know, obviously at 2 0 down so early on, you know, it, are Dortmund thinking that they can realistically get back into this match, as Mark's already said, like they're they're a beaten team when it comes to buying at this particular moment in time with all that baggage. 
obviously I know you you know you correctly said Peter there were a few chances mm-hmm. the Marlon one just before half time and obviously the Royce one uh, yeah. but do we really think a 2-0 down after 10 minutes is being top- turned around Perzic did the best that he could tactically I mean he did a, a that's why you had Ozcan and uh, in the midfield and it was a, it was a really really compact 4-2-3-1 so he did his homework he was doing everything that he possibly could to slow down this this Bayern counter uh, which with Sané in the form that he's in, it's ridiculous. I mean, Sané will, uh, he'll often initiate the play and then finish it off himself. And you have Musiala, who is just so amazingly unpredictable. <clears throat> you have Coman, who is, I think, one of the fastest players in the league. He might be number three or number four on the, uh, the run list there. I'll have to, to double check the speed clock stats for that. So, I mean, he just, he deployed this really compact and really, he just, he wanted to slow down the midfield traffic in the, in the form of Oskan and stuff like that, it, but it simply didn't work. Mm-hmm. When you go down uh, uh, nil to uh, of that early, uh, I mean, this is not a, this is not a Dortmund team that's particularly explosive. I mean, they kind of manufacture goals, uh, which is perfectly fine. And uh, that should lead them to a, a, a four, uh, a, a top four finish uh, this season. They might even points wise be, be in the title race for for a good long uh, while, but they're they're more of a slow kind of manufacture goals type of team, at least at, in, at, in this juncture. And uh, so if they go down early, yeah, it's not not exactly easy for them to to play catch up. Yep, absolutely. Some great points there. Um, yeah, obviously there was a strong reaction on Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter, as there would be after such a result that gets people's backs up. Um, so I think there was quite a strong reaction, an emotive reaction in regards to where Dortmund are going, where they're going under Terzic, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I think it's right to, to kind of put that into context, but also, yeah, from from this head-to-head contest it's well. It's not a contest right now. Bayern are absolutely dominating proceedings in that sense, and and will be going on strongly. Um, and looking forward to their next match. Some very good points made by Moritz in the in the chat about Goretzka um, coming from the position that he was in during the summer. Um, even the poor lad was linked to playing for Man United. Bless him. So he'll be extra pleased for the fact that he's managed to turn things around so well. And he is, you know, he's come back into form really uh, impressively. Um, so yeah, a really big game of the weekend and a, a better and a bigger performance matched uh, by Bayern uh, to get the win. So we'll move on then to our second and first most entertaining uh, games of the weekend. And well, we're going to talk about the league leaders. Um, so Bayer Leverkusen uh, withholding the Hoffenheim comeback uh, to, to win 3-2. Uh, thanks to uh, well, Grimaldo in in many parts getting a brace, Florian Verts uh, getting yet another goal, um, and this I think um, Mark again. I'll come to you first. Maybe one of those games, in, you know, in years gone by, where Leverkusen would have quite easily folded. Do we want to say and, and not gone back mm. into the, into that mode of being able to just piece together that quality to get that third goal and then hold out again. Um, you know, the we also have, I think we also have to put into context the Hoffenheim comeback comes off some, well, I know I've talked about him a lot on this show, but Radetzky's goalkeeping 
He um, Mark, you were talking about him last week and how he's improved and made some big <laughs> saves for them recently. But he's, you know, his distribution is the reason why Hoffenheim get back into the game. A hell of a executed, you know, lob by stack to make, you know, to start the comeback um, and make it 2-1. Um, and then Veghorst is, you know, in the right place at the right time to make the most of um, a parried effort and, and makes it 2-2. Um, but anyway, you know, Mark, thoughts on, on this one? You know, high quality from Leverkusen still, but are, are you impressed again this time by their character as well to be able to, again, withhold a, a mini comeback? Um, you know, by a decent Hoffenheim side um, and show that character again to go out there and win another three points. Yeah, I love this game of football. Actually, I thought it was a really, really entertaining game, this one. There was a lot of dynamics in there, as you say. I mean, the first half was a clinic, I thought, from Leverkusen. I thought they were absolutely brilliant in the first half. I mean, that first goal, I mean, what can you say about, you know, Viertz and Boniface? You know, Boniface hasn't been getting the goals recently, but he is just, I mean, to be honest, after Kane, he probably is the second best striker in the league, to be honest. Even the guy's just absolutely unbelievable. Like, he never gives up. And like, you know, even if he's denied, he still comes back and gets an assist like he did on the third goal. You know, I mean, this was a great workmanlike performance. And what he is an unbelievable footballer, Boniface, for me. You know, we all know about what Florian Vierts can do. You know, he the last two performances, he's been world class, you know, as he is, really. He's going to be one of the top footballers in Europe in the next uh, three to four years, probably. Maybe not even that long. But Boniface, you know, he's not been getting on the score sheet the last few weeks, but this was a superb performance from him, genuinely, you know. And I, I just thought the, the build-up play for the first goal was absolutely brilliant, you know. Grimaldo, I mean, is there a better finisher from left-back in the world right now? Is there a better left-back in the world right now than him? I don't know, to be honest, because... You know, what a player. I just can't stop kind of purring about this Leverkusen team, especially from an attacking perspective, you know. And, you know, they deserve the 2-0 lead. They were absolutely dominant. You know, Frimpong missed chances. He just gets forward so, so well, even now. You know, just superb first half. But then, as you say, the, the start of that second half, I don't know what went wrong, really. I think, you know, I think Hoffenheim are a team that get out of the blocks very quick in the second half. We've seen that a few times this season. Bayer is another player who's looking really, really good, by the way. I think, you know, I still back him to be Germany's number nine for the World Cup. I really do. I think he's the best option right now. And I think, you know, he, he is a player that if he gets 15, 18 goals this season, which I think he will do from what I've seen so far, I think he's a shoe-in for Germany's number nine. He was very unlucky not to score before the Hadatsky mistake, actually. He had a few good efforts, which were well saved, actually, by Hadatsky. But as you say, the mistake for the goal, it's not good enough, ultimately, really. I think it's his first big error of the season. And we've got to give him some, we've got to cut him a bit of slack, really, I think, because, you know, he's not made many. This is the 10th game. This is his first big mistake, really any mistake, I would say. But it was a poor one. You know, it was a, it was a gimme. It was a good finish from Stach, you've got to be honest. But, I mean, you can't be giving him that kind of back pass, basically, to give him a free reign and basically chip the keeper. I think even on the second goal, that was a funny one, actually, because, you know, Bayer has so much room. I don't know, should Hadatsky have done better? I really don't know on that one. I'd be interested to know what you guys think, because it was a great strike, but he, he saw it very clearly. And, you know, I mean, he did get a hand to it. He should have been able to push it wide. 
possibly. I don't know. I'm a little bit unsure on that one. But obviously, it ended up being an easy tap-in for um, Vekos for his second goal in two games, a former Man United legend as well, Voot Vekos. But yeah... <laughs> But yeah, basically, then you're thinking, oh my God, they're going to lose this. You know, very, very near to making it 2 1 as well with that header. You know, and he was very unlucky not to score that. If that goes 3 2, you're thinking, oh no, it's disaster stations for Leverkusen. But I mean, the goal that wins it, I just think is all about Boniface, really. You know, I just think it was a, it was a brilliant uh, build up play from Boniface. And then he kind of passes it off to you know, world-class curling strike again from Grimaldo. I mean, what a player he is, really. And then after that, they see the game out quite comfortably. They probably should have had a fourth or even a fifth uh, on the counter in the last 10 minutes. And as you say, I think this is what's changed. This is not only what's changed under Leverkusen, but it's, it, this is a new kind of title challenger for Bayern Munich. And I think the main reason is that man, Javi Alonso, I just think he is so determined he's going to win this Bundesliga this year. You can see it in his face. Like, this is this guy's a winner. He, he's not like, with all due respect to Terzic, you know, he, he doesn't strike you as a winner as such. But Javi Alonso is a winner, 200%. You know, and I think he, he would damn well make sure they won that game. Otherwise, it'd have been, you know, in the cold shower for two hours after the game, I think, because he wouldn't have been happy. But I just think, yeah, it showed character, it showed metal. I just like everything this Leverkusen team are doing. I just hope they can keep winning because, to be honest, Bayern Munich are looking pretty uh, ominous at the moment. And they're going to have to keep winning. But I, I do believe they're capable of riding out this great spell of form from FC Bayern and, you know, staying top of the league. Yeah, there's obviously a long way to go, and it's a it's a hot pace, as you can see on screen. You know, nine wins, one draw. Uh, you know, they've been absolutely fabulous to watch so far this season. Long, long may it continue. Um, that's yet another loss at home for Hoffenheim. Um, I think that's the worst joint worst home record uh, in the Bundesliga. So not great at home uh, for for the Hoffenheimers. Um, Peter, just very quickly, anything else to add on on the game? Still, obviously, uh, singing the praises of Leverkusen or um, berating Hoffenheim's uh, home form. <laughs> well, I'm going to berate Pellegrino Matarazzo for benching John Anthony Brooks. That's just sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> actually, believe it or not, I have a, a tactical criticism of Xabi in this one. I mean, I like every other German. You may recall at the beginning of the season, I was holding up my El Freunde that said, you know, Xabi Alonso is the best trainer in the league. And I still believe that. Um, the uh, There was a little bit of a impractical tactical tweak at the half, and he took off Kosunu and brought on Stanisic uh, and moved Frimpong up a little higher and in, Hoffman out wide. And uh, Hadret... Hadret let me see if I can pronounce it right. It's Fradetsky. Yes. <laughs> I try to, you know, because he's a he's a, a, a good figure in, in both German football and Danish football, as a matter of fact, too. Rain, uh, Rune really likes him after all his years up there in Denmark. He admitted the passing error. Uh, he thanked Alejandro Grimaldo for bailing him out. He said he put out the fire that I lit. Um, in terms of what you were talking about uh, uh, as to whether uh, Hradecki should have held um, that uh, second effort that uh, Veghorst was able to turn in, probably so. But let's, um, you know, that actually resulted from a passing error from Granit Xhaka. Hmm. So I can't believe that I'm talking about uh, that I'm 
these are very, very light criticisms of, of Chabi Alonso and, and Granit Xhaka, but I didn't anticipate that there would be any criticisms of their at all uh, over the course of this entire season. You know, I mean, this is, you know, like writing down a list of God's greatest mistakes or something like this. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just, how can you do this? Um, they are, I mean, look, these are the favorites to win the title. Uh, Viat's initiated and finished that uh, that opening goal himself. Uh, another fantastic um, game from uh, from Boniface. Uh, Morris was saying that that Grimaldo reminds him a little bit of Angelino. Actually, I don't know who he reminds me of. I mean, there were so many great bombing uh, left flank players in the Bundesliga uh, over the last three years. You think of Angelino, you think of Borna Sosa for Stuttgart when he was on, when Sasha Kalajic was around. You think of Philip Kostic uh, for Eintracht yep. Frankfurt and things like this. Grimaldo, he isn't really like any of those players in open play. I, I do believe how many of his goals have come from dead balls? Uh, I think maybe uh, more than half of them uh, have come from dead ball. So he's just, he's a great player, not only in open play, but you can tell that Xavi has taken his fellow Spaniard under his wing on the training pitch and is working him really, really hard on, on set piece designs uh, because he's been amazing in that respect. I mean, he's just a, he's a real complete package, I would say, uh, much more so than some of the other players that I, uh, that I spoke about. And it was a great football match. Once again, Hoffenheim cannot win at home. It's not possible. <laughs> no. um, lovely stuff. We'll move on then uh, to our final game of our featured four. <laughs> and it's going to feature, well, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach once more. Uh, you know, they are quite the team to, uh, to watch this season, particularly from a we-don't-know-what-we're-getting um, sandwich point of view, because uh, they... Well, they love a high-scoring draw, um, and they were involved in yet another thrilling match in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, going going out to a three-one lead, um, thanks to uh, goals from Holler. Uh, oh, sorry, not from Holler. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Player and uh, penalty converted eventually uh, by Julian Weigel. Um, yeah, from 3-1 down, Freiburg managed to bring it out. Um, some really nice play, actually, and, and get two goals back um, from a late uh, penalty by that man, Grifo, who is involved in everything, of course, uh, holding his nerve. Um, but yeah, where to start with this uh, this one, chaps? I mean, um, there's one point that I want to come to straight away, which is one that, again, I'm having a right old bone tonight, aren't I? Um, and it's in regards to the Weigel penalty. And we've seen yet another retake on these goalkeeper encroachments. Um, I mean, we obviously talk about, you know, VAR and the use of it to make sure that offside decisions are right by the, you know, finest of margins, you know, toenails being offside and all this sort of thing. But it feels like it's now creeping into everything that we do in the fo in the footballing world, where the penalty is obviously massively in favour of the striker being able to put in the back of the net. So the goalkeeper is, you know, the person who is not expected to make a save. And now <laughs> we're making it almost just even more difficult for a save to be made, just because they almost lean forward ever so slightly at the pinch point to make a save. Because um, we've seen a few of them now in the last few weeks. Um, 
Do, am I going mad? Am I just being a cynic? Um, Mark, what, what do you think about this goalkeeper coming off the line business? Oh, I absolutely hate that rule, actually, really, <laughs> genuinely. For me, unless he's two metres off the line, it should be classified as a save for me. Really, That's what I honestly think. I, I just hate it, basically, like, especially when it's your team. You're celebrating your team, saving a penalty, and then next thing, they, they go back to the damn VAR and check it. No, I just don't like the rule at all. But this particular incident, I think, is the most brutal I've ever seen of a team getting one called back. I think he must have been 10 centimetres off his line, maybe. I think it was absolutely savage, I think, for the for the young man as well, the potential future German number nine, who, who's been improving recently as well. And I thought it was a great save. And he was hard done to, big, big time. You know, I think, like, really, that was brutal, to be honest. I think the rule itself is no good. Maybe, as you say, if he's a whole metre off the line, yeah, it's OK to call him back. But not for that. That's just ridiculous, completely, in my view, anyway. It's certainly making things harder, to, as you say, celebrate as a fan um, in these, you know, euphoric moments. You you find <clears> yourself <throat> holding back as a fan these days um, for goals or, or any big moments because you feel like, oh, what's around the corner? What happened, you know, 30 sec seconds ago that could be brought back for a VAR uh, in interference? Uh, Peter, your thoughts on this, you know, ruling of VAR now starting to etch the their way too much into the game? Well, unfortunately, there's no real turning back. I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was around a year ago that I was writing an article from the uh, DFB, uh, the German FA Rules Committee, in which they cited 17 examples of the keeper off his line rule not being kept. Uh, so the DFB uh, uh, insisted that we're going to, you know, start cracking down on this. And unfortunately, if it is a matter of centimeters, it is a matter of centimeters. Um, toenails being offside to use your own words it's it's all very frustrating what was it, it was a couple of weeks ago we were talking dortmund union berlin and uh we were talking about how var reviews took up like from the 19th to the 31st minute and you know i was joking what is this an american football match i mean what <laughs> my stuff you know i'm i'm here in the states as i as i as i am sometimes i travel a lot and I can't even watch American football anymore. I mean, it's, it's you know, all just nothing but instant replay reviews followed by timeout, timeout, more, time for some more commercials. Luckily, we don't have the commercial problem in, in football. But, uh, you know, in uh, I think what needs to happen, and uh, the German FA is probably going to get on this too, is that they just, they, they really need to speed up the process and have further clarification. Uh, to make sure that we're not having these, you know, these these <laughs> two, three long uh, minute long breaks. And maybe why don't we have like a little automated system, too? So that way, I mean, you know, if there was something we have goal line technology, we have automated offside uh, technology. If he's off his line by 10 centimeters, just have a watch buzz and then and then uh, we don't have to celebrate the save. Uh, we can just have a, a retake. We can just whistle it down before the ball is even, or, you know, <clears throat> as soon as the ball is kicked. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot more to talk about uh, in this in this match, uh, obviously. I mean, it was, it was a pretty, pretty crazy match. Uh, you know, I, I, I could talk ear off it about, uh, about it all along, <laughs> but I don't want to take up too much of my uh, a lot of time. I mean, uh, perhaps we'll see what, uh, Mark, what do you, what would you like to, to bring up in particular about this, this six goal affair? 
Four. Well, obviously, yeah, the penalty was one of the big moments. But yeah, I think there was obviously a lot of uh, interesting moments. I think the the start was really, really good as well from Freiburg. That opening goal was a really nice goal. I think Hurler, this was his best performance for quite a while, actually. And I think Freiburg have been missing that striker this year a little bit. And it's something that they've always had. You know, Grigorovic last season was pretty good. You know, Hurler in parts when he came back from his injury. But this year... I think they've missed that kind of number nine, really. Obviously, Grifo has been superb, like he pretty much always is. But I, I do hope that Hurler's performance was one of the things that stood out for me for Freiburg, really, in this match. I think, you know, he also got the assist for Weishaupt's second goal as well, which was, by the way, a really nice strike, the youngster. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, probably, you know, Freiburg played the better football in the game, I would say. They were probably the better side, despite... Obviously, Gladbach having that crazy period where they got three goals in like 12 minutes, was it, at one point? You know, the play our goal as well, it was a really nice strike, but pretty poor defending, which is kind of a new feature to Freiburg's season, unfortunately, because, you know, they're another team that have always been very strong defensively. This year, I, I don't think it's quite been the case at all times. Maybe that is a little bit Atabulo. You know, he's not the best at commanding his defence yet. But I always say that for a goalkeeper, it takes him two years at the top level to learn the trade. And I, I do believe that Christian Streich will give the young man that time. And he's a good shot stopper, but I think his problem is he's not that great at commanding his defence. And I think that shows a little bit with the number of goals that Freiburg have been conceding compared to, to most years, you know. I think Leinhardt didn't have his best game. Ginter also hasn't been having his best season in general, to be honest. I think he was dropped from the uh, German national team as well after being a pretty much shoe-in for most of last season. So, yeah, I would say from a Freiburg perspective, that was what stood out. I think going forward, they look, look really good in this game. One of the best attacking performances we've seen from them this year. But defensively, things do need to get a bit better. It's not a crisis for Freiburg. Because, you know, they're still in mid-table. This is fine for Freiburg. You know, we don't expect them to be in the top five, six every year. But if they want to go back up to that top five, six, they're going to have to start, like, shaping up a little bit defensively, particularly offset plays, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, as you can see on screen, or if you're listening to the podcast, it you know, 19 goals conceded already for Freiburg is quite our character. And as you said, the well, the Lionheart challenge for uh, the penalty was all over the shop. Um, he, he blew his marking on the on the one before that too. Lienhardt, yeah, yeah, he had, he had a yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that was a really good movement actually from Jordan. That I was. I wanted to I wanted to mention Jordan, our American. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> He's, playing, He's well. playing really well lately. Yeah, he really has, uh, and that <clears> is not a player that we've been particularly kind to, uh, of, you know, on this podcast. So we we should definitely give him credit. Uh, Alessand Playa also not a player we've been particularly kind to on this podcast, and and he's been uh, he's been doing well. So. Ever since Mark's berating of player, he's been been superb. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first season. Do you remember the first season we covered Rory when he was like a machine? I think he got like he 15, 16 goals that year. Yeah, he was brilliant. And we, we so enjoyed, uh, you know, Jordan's early spell, you know, with, with Union when he came in and was so effective. You know, he, he was playing fantastic. So it'd be great if he can pick up that form again. Um, it was a nice set, uh, a nicely worked set piece goal for Gladbach's first one as obviously they took it short. Uh, I think it was Weigel who put in put in the cross and it was headed back in. Um, so yeah, no, some nice some nice highlights and as we said, you know, loads of good things to pick out from this game. 
Um, but yeah, another high-scoring draw for, for Gladbach. They can't uh, quite go the line in some of these games. Uh, they'll be disappointed from 3-1 up not to have seen it out. But Freiburg are a particularly strong team at home as well. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just fly through uh, the best of the rest action from uh, this weekend. Uh, so obviously highlights to pick out. Uh, obviously, a first win of the season uh, for Balkan in the Friday night fixture over um, overcoming Darmstadt. Uh, you know, a, a Nassano brace, uh, really important goals by him um, overcoming um, Fabian Nuremberger's um, goal for Darmstadt. And they also had um, Fabian Holland sent off uh, for the Lilies. Um, so really important win for Balkan. Um, another player who scored a brace at the weekend is Omar Marmouche, uh, who has now, I think he's topped his best ever Bundesliga haul in the season. And we're obviously only 10 games in. So great to see the, the former VFB man really flying for the Eagles, who uh, Frankfurt are now really starting to look uh, a threat going forwards. Um, and well, Union keep on tumbling down. Obviously, we can't see them on screen currently, but they're they're in real big trouble. Um, another goal, third in a row for Teets as Augsburg drew 1-1, as we mentioned, uh, against Köln earlier on. Um, you know, probably a better result for Augsburg in the end, uh, based on the weekend's results. Um, and then a pretty entertaining Sunday. Again, the early Sunday game really, you know, produced the good, some good goals. We saw Marvin Dush score a wonderful free kick. Um, uh, and obviously Verda came back into that match to lead 2-1. Uh, but Rafa Bore managing to get um, another goal for himself as well. So many great strikers this season in the Bundesliga to enjoy. There really is. Um, and then the late game, a fantastic win for Heidenheim um, to beat VFB Stuttgart in a game that they thoroughly well-deserved um, in a very um, odd performance by the um, by the away side, a, a bit lacklustre. Obviously, the missed penalty by Silas um, before... Uh, Klein Dienst um, sealed it with a, another lobbed goal. We're seeing lots of uh, lobbed goals as well this season um, to enjoy um, summarising, uh, well, what was a poor mistake by Anton, who was probably actually Stuttgart's best player, ironically, in, in all of that. Um, so that's obviously where we stand with the rest of the matches. Um, and we keep on going and, and look forward to enjoying more Bundesliga footy over the coming weeks. Um, so at that point, I think it is um, apparent that we can stop for this evening. So I'll I'll hand over to yourself, Mark, and we can bring tonight's <coughs> show close. Yep. So if you enjoyed what you saw tonight, then check out Out Over the Bar FB and Out Over the Bar Extra. And don't forget to follow Rory at Village Footy 20 as well. And yeah, don't forget to keep liking, commenting and subscribing because we are slowly getting towards um, 1,100 now. And yeah, <laughs> obviously not the most famous landmark compared to 1,000, but still we are on the road to 1,100. And yeah, we're getting there slowly but surely. But yeah, keep letting your friends know and uh, it can help us grow just that little bit more. But yeah, thanks again for joining us. We'll be back again for the uh, prediction show on Thursday. Thank you very much, guys, and see you there. Ciao, ciao.